0: New Year. It's very strange to think that it's 2014. Um, if you, uh, I still remember when, ni- when Prince's 1999 came out, and I thought that was so long ago, or so long away, and now we hear, here we are at 2014. It's kind of strange. In the first sermon in uh, 2014, I thought I'd reference Prince. But anyway, um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in James chapter 5. And so we'll look in James chapter 5, verse number 7. Uh, we are going through the book of James. We've been going through the book of James the last couple of months, and so in the next two weeks we will complete uh, going through the book of James, and then we'll move on to a new series. And so it's been in a, uh, pretty much in a, it's been an enjoyable experience for me. The uh, book of James is a very practical book, and uh, there are some things for me. Really, in all, in all honesty, the easiest thing for me to do about my job is to stand up and to preach. The hardest part is to actually live, you know, like what I preach. Now, there are some subjects that I do a better job on than others. I mean, I can preach against, uh, you talk about how we're not supposed to worship Satan. That one's easy for me. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But then when we get to subjects like we're going to be dealing with today, I struggle a little bit uh, with, with this one. And today we're going to be talking about patience. Now, that's what James is, uh, the issue James is dealing with here. Uh, The word patience very simply means to wait, and I don't know how y'all are, I know how some of you are, but I know for me that I am not a good uh, waiter, and this is, you know, this is evidence for me, I know that whenever I have like a doctor's appointment, I'm sure some of you are very similar, this would not be true, of course, at Chris Jernigan's office, but just other doctor's. Uh, that, you know, they call, y'all ever get these? They call you like the week before your appointment and like they call you like 7,000 times. You know, if you're you're not going to be here, please notify us and if you miss your appointment, you're late, you'll have to pay for this visit and we'll reschedule you. Okay, that drives me crazy because I can't think of how many times I've been to the doctor and I've waited for my doctor. And so I'm thinking about using the same rule, you know, that they use on me, that they're going to end up paying me. And then there's other, you know, probably the king of... All places where you have to wait. You know, Disney World. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all like to go to Disney World. I mean, you spend thousands of dollars, and you go down there and ride three rides and stand in line for 12 hours. And so as I was thinking about patience and waiting, I thought about a whole lot of things I could say. I can get, I'm already kind of feeling like I'm getting on a griping roll here, and so I'm going to go ahead and stop while I'm ahead, but, uh, but patience is something that's probably difficult for a lot of us. And a lot of us have a hard time waiting because we like things to happen according to our schedule. You know, we like things to happen according to our plans, but as you get older and as you go through more and more life, you begin to understand that life does not always end up following your schedule. And so when that happens, the question is, well, then what am I supposed to do? Well, that's where the book of James is helpful for us. It's a very practical book. Uh, We've gone through some of the practical things Of the last couple of months That it's talked about It's talked about uh, the the importance of our speech It's talked about the the power of your words And then as you look through the book of James You'll see that he also talks about The importance of not showing favoritism He talks about how we can deal with temptations And then he gets into a really touchy arena here And then he begins to talk about The importance of being patient The importance of us waiting. And what's sort of convicting for me is that while I'm not good at patience, the Bible teaches us that a distinguishing mark that a person is a follower of God is that their life will be marked with patience. And we're told in Galatians 5:22 it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I look at that list and I think that's a strong list. Be nice if patience wasn't in there. You know, along with goodness and maybe kindness, then I think I might have it licked. But it's it's just a part, it's a it's a demonstration that you're a follower of God of having patience. And so it points out to us today in our scripture that patience is an important characteristic in being a follower of God. And one thing that I like about what James says all throughout his book is he lets us know that hey, it's not easy. Being a follower of Jesus is not easy. As a matter of fact, a lot of the things that God calls us to do goes against our nature. Our nature is to be self-centered. Our nature is to think that the world revolves around us. And then James comes along and throws a monkey wrench into all that. And in James chapter 5, verse number 7, we'll look there, and you can look it up if you'd like to, or you can look at the verses on our screen in just a few moments, but Uh, Just a little background information. The people James was writing to were people who had at one point lived in Israel. Uh, They were forced out of their country through various reasons. The main one was persecution. And so they're now living in a lot of different countries, nearby countries. And just because they were living in a new place did not mean that life was better for them. Uh, many of them, were, they, were, they were being blackballed from jobs because now you know, they were strangers in a new place. You know They were invading somebody else's property, somebody else's land. Uh, others were undergoing physical persecution. And as you go through the book of James, you find out that even the people themselves were arguing with one another. And so James brings up the subject of patience. He says, guys, you need to be patient. Now, I'm sure with all the stress that they were undergoing all the difficulties that they were facing in their lives, the last thing they wanted to hear was somebody say, I've got the solution to all your problems be patient. Now that sounds good and if it's true, the question I have is then why do so many of us struggle with patience? Why do so many of us struggle with waiting as that word means? Well I think today in our text we can see a few reasons why patience can be rather difficult, why it's difficult to wait And one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to wait is when circumstances are against me. You know, I don't enjoy waiting for something whenever things aren't going my way. Now, when things are going my way, I don't mind waiting. But when things seem to be against me, man, it's really tough to be patient. Uh, Look with me in verse number 7. It says, therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Now remember, the people he's writing to, things were not going well. They're struggling here. And so James tells them, he says, to be patient. Now many of us like to live under the illusion that we have some sort of control in life. And, you know, I mean, it's, for a lot of us, we think, well, you know, if I exercise and I keep myself in good shape, then that means that I'm going to be able to live longer. And it's been really encouraging for me to go to the Y uh, this week and to see so many of y'all, not y'all, but other people taking that to heart as they are taking up all the machines and making me wait, uh, which is great for patients. But, you know, some of if I stay in shape, then that means I'm going to live a long time. Other people say, if I if I take my money and I put it in my 401k, then, you know, if I continue to do this, and by the time I retire, I'm going to have enough to live on. And others of us say, you know, if I'm, if I'm good to other people, then that goodness is going to come back on me. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Where we get into trouble, though, is when we live under the illusion that I actually can have some sort of control over the outcomes in life. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen who've, you know, been health nuts, who've done everything right, and they go to the doctor and they get a bad report. And I've seen people who have saved up in their 401Ks, and then as they begin to realize after a period of time, they get really depressed and begin thinking, you know what, even though I've been saving for all these years, it's not going to be enough whenever I retire. I've seen some people who've been good to other people, and you know what, goodness has not come back on them. And so you look at it you think, well, man, what's 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 that all about? Now, surprisingly, when we actually look in the Bible, what we discover is that just because we follow Jesus does not mean that life will always be happy. It does not mean that life will always be perfect and peaceful and good, at least not here. The Bible's perfectly honest with us. I mean, Jesus himself said in John 15, 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, when I read that, my first thought was, I mean, I saw that and I was like, okay, Jesus said they're going to persecute you. And I'm wondering, who is you? You know, because I'm hoping it's you, you know? And I'm thinking, not me, but maybe you. You know who the you is? It's those of us who are followers of Jesus. Oh, if they persecute me, Jesus said they're going to persecute my followers. If you follow Jesus, it's you. 1 Timothy 3.12 says, all who desire to live godly lives will be persecuted. How's that for kicking off your new year? You decide to live for God. He says, you will be, it doesn't say that you might be, it says that you will be. And this is exactly what was happening to the people that James was writing to. They were undergoing difficulties and hardships in their lives. Why? Well, one reason why was because they were obedient and following after the leadership of Jesus. Now, is that fair? Absolutely not. So, what's James' advice to him? He says, "Be patient." All right. Now, whenever you're struggling, is that what you want to hear? You know, be patient. I know that you're sick. I know that things are happening in your life that aren't fair. But be pa- wait. Okay. I want action. You know, I want things to change. I want things. To be different? What am I supposed to be waiting for? Well, the answer is found back in verse number 1. Where James says that you are to be patient, it says, until the Lord's coming. Believers, that, that is our trump card for everything. Do you know that? The thing that we are looking forward to, the thing that we are waiting to waiting for, the thing that we are to have our eyes set on, is the fact that regardless of what's happening in this world, there will be a day when Jesus will come again. That word coming in our text, it means presence. People were longing for the presence of God. You long for the presence of God? Yeah, I I really do. You know, I see some stuff that that goes on in our world. Y'all, I've seen, it's just been real... I guess interesting is a strange word, but it's been, maybe disappointing, but how people who decide that they're going to to live for and follow God and take his word seriously, we are now categorized as being part of hate groups. You know, people who are uneducated and people who are basically crazy. And I see stuff like that, and I think, Jesus, why don't you just show up and tell everybody, shut up? You know, and that'd scare everybody to death. And I think that'd be awesome. And then James tells us that we are to wait we're to wait. We're to wait on the presence of Jesus. It's sort of like the little kid that's getting, you know, picked on by a bully. But he knows that pretty soon his brother's going to be coming around the corner, his big brother. He's, he can't wait for his presence because when he comes, it's going to change the whole scene. Well, that's, that's how I am waiting for Jesus. I'm waiting for him to show up because when he shows up, it's going to change everything. But James says we are to wait, he says, like a farmer waits on his crops. And what's interesting to me about that, you know, we all know that when a farmer plants, that it's not like within five minutes the crops shoot up, right? I mean, he has to wait, and he. And there's a lot of things are out, that are outside of his control. I mean, he's got the weather's got to be right, the rain's got to be right, uh, the the grow, I mean, how in the world does a plant? I mean, how, we don't even know how a plant grows. It just grows. A lot of things outside of the control of the farmer, and if he tries to harvest too early. The crop's not going to be mature enough to be any good. And so he has to wait. But when he waits, there's a growing season that takes place. Patience is so important for us. Because as we wait for the things of God, it is a time in our lives when God uses that waiting period in order to mature us and to make us stronger. Matter of fact, he tells us that we are to uh, we are to have our faith and our hope in the coming of God again. And he says, and you are to strengthen yourself with this promise that God's coming again. That, that word strengthen in our text, it means to prop yourself up. And so as the weight of this life presses down on us, we prop ourselves up with God's word and the promises that he gives. And we say, you know what, the world is pressing in on me right now, but I am going to trust and encourage myself that what God says in here, that it's true. Encouragement is tremendously powerful. I'll give you an example of this. There's a lady named Jean Nidich, and uh, she was, she was uh, this is back, back in the 1960s. She was a lady who was weighed about 215 pounds, and she wanted to lose weight. So she went to her doctor and got her on a, a weight loss program. She lost quite a bit of weight, but after the program was over, she said, I still wanted to lose 50 pounds. And so what she did, she took that program and she went to her friends and they gathered together and they all started trying to lose weight together and they meet together all the time and they begin to drop weight. Now what came out of that was the program known as Weight Watchers. Uh, weight Watchers is the most successful weight loss program that there is. And it's kind of a neat story. But somebody asked her, they said, well, why, is, um, why has this become so successful? Uh, there's over, over a million members now. They meet in 20, like 25 different countries every week. And she said, well, really what it is, she said, "That the difference for me is that we got together and we encouraged one another. We got together and we held each other accountable, talking about what we could do, what could happen. As I began to look at that, I began to realize, you know what, God has given us his word to be the encouragement for us as we're waiting. To say, you know what, we, we can hang in there because God is always true to what he says, now, there's, there's times when it's difficult to wait. It's difficult to wait when circumstances are against me. You know, when things aren't going my way, man, it's hard to wait. But it's also difficult for me to wait when people annoy me. Okay? It's difficult to wait when people annoy me. And, and that's not just true for me. That's true for you. Now, look with me in verse number 9. It says, Brothers, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Now, the beginning of verse number 9 again, it says, Brothers, don't complain about one another. Previous verses, he talked about how there had been some conflict and you want to be a good witness to people who are outside the faith. Now, I, can, I understand that one. You know, if we don't have the same values and the same morals, you can see how people are they are going to have conflicting interests. James is talking here to people inside the faith. He said, of all people who shouldn't be bickering and fighting with each other, it's Christians. Now, I know that we all sit here and say, well, surely that doesn't happen. You know, surely all Christians get along. But y'all, here's the deal. You know, people, we just sort of grate on each other's nerves, don't we? I don't care how good of a friend you are. If you're with each other for a long time, you're eventually going to get on each other's nerves. It could be something as simple as maybe when they speak to you, they get in your personal space. It drives you crazy. Uh, It could be that when you tell a story, maybe they're always trying to one-up you. Here's what James says. I don't care what's going on. James says you are not to complain about one another. He says you are to be patient with each other. I mean, what kind of a testimony does it give if we can't even be patient with people who are on the same team? You know? I mean, I, I've grown up in the church my whole life. I've been a youth pastor before. There have been times when I have seen people at war with one another, you know, who are Christians. Now, I know you all have never seen that before, but I've seen it. And they're, they're fighting, and they're bickering with each other, and then it's crazy. They're like, I don't know why anybody doesn't come to church. Well, it's because you're fighting, you know, you moron. I mean, who wants to, who wants to show up and be with a group of people who can't even get along together, who don't enjoy each other? Now, when I look at our text, I I begin to ask myself a question. How can I how can I hold myself accountable and not being so annoyed with people, being so thin skinned? I just let anything bother me. Well, verse number nine should help me. It says, "Look, the judge stands at the door." Now, who's the judge? Jesus. Now, what's he doing? Well, Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, what this means is God is watching you and me. Now, that sort of makes things a little bit different for me. God is actually paying attention to how I live. He's got his eye on me in the way that I treat other people. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit back and to gripe about people, to gripe about how somebody's bothered me, how somebody's annoyed me, and yet, the question I'm trying to ask myself is, what about me? How many people do I annoy? How many people um, have, have, have I gotten on anybody else's nerves? And I know for y'all, no. But there's somebody out there where I have. You know, and I began to ask myself these questions. And, and I think we, we need to begin to ask, well, how, does God, how has God dealt with people who were difficult? Who are annoying. Romans 5.8. It says God demonstrated his own love towards us in this. And that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The fact is there are going to be people who annoy us. The fact is there are going to be people who get on our nerves. But if we lash out against them. If we cut them off. If we decide we're not going to take our relationship with them any further. I'm afraid there's a lot of blessings that we're going to end up missing out on. Because we've decided to quit and not be patient with others. You know, whenever we don't see something through, we miss out. I think a good example of this is in the uh, 1800s, during the gold rush, there was a man from Maryland who packed up and he went to Colorado. Went out there and he bought some tools and he began to dig for gold. He ended up striking gold, and he, but he needed more equipment to get more and more of the gold out. And so he covered up his find, he went back to Maryland and he got his family and friends to buy in to what he he said. Listen, this is true, you just gotta come with me. They bought in, they gave him money, and they all went out to Colorado, and they began to dig. And sure enough, they they got more and more gold out. They got enough gold to cover their expenses, to cover their equipment, but after digging for several months, they, they no longer hit gold. After trying to stick around for a couple more months, they finally gave up. They sold their equipment for $500, went back to Maryland. The guy they sold their equipment to went to where they were digging and he brought an engineer with him. And they went to that place where they were digging and as the engineer looked at it, he realized they would run into a fault line. And so he had cut off the vein of gold that they were digging in and as he examined the rocks, he said, I believe the vein of gold picks up right over here, three feet away. Three feet away, they began to dig. They found the largest gold find in the history of Colorado. Great for them, but I thought about the guys from Maryland. I thought, how horrible is that? They gave up. They quit three feet away from Pater. They just gave up. Ross Perot said most people give up just when they're about to achieve success. They quit at the one-yard line. They give up at the last minute of the game one foot from the winning touchdown. Man, it's tough to be patient sometimes. It's tough to be patient whenever circumstances are against me. It's tough to be patient when people annoy me. This last one I want you to see. It's also difficult to be patient when problems are unexplainable. You know, when I face things that don't make sense. Last verse I'll read, verse number 11. So see, we count as blessed those who've endured. And you've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome from the Lord. And the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. It's very hard to be patient when you see things that happen that don't seem fair and that don't make sense to you. When you see things that happen that seem actually wrong to you, so I'm supposed to wait for God and look at what's going on. Uh, this is—I've had this experience this year, this past year. This past year, one of one of my good friends was diagnosed with stage four cancer. He's about my age. He's a great guy. He loves God. He loves the church. He would would give you the shirt off of his back, and he gets cancer. Okay, I'm at a loss. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. I began to pray. I I prayed. I was like, God, you've got to fix this. God, this this is not right, and it's not fair. My first instinct was not to sit back and say, you know what? I'm just going to be patient, and let's just see what God does. Now, I'm not saying that's a good response, but that was not the response that I had. Now, that's why... That's why I believe that James right here in our text, he brings up Job. You talk about something that was unexplainable or inexplicable. Look at Job. Job's got that's written about in the Old Testament. Just a short version of his story. Job's a godly man, loves God. What happens to him? He loses his health. He loses his wealth. His children die. Um, his wife tells him to curse God and then die. And then God won't answer his prayers. I mean, totally frustrating. How does Job respond? Now, one thing I like about it is Job didn't respond like, you know, like a typical Sunday school answer. He didn't cross his legs and say, this too shall pass. He begins to gripe. I like that. I mean, he's like, what's going on here? But one thing you'll notice is he never said, I quit on God. He just didn't understand what was going on. And what he ended up doing, is says, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. God, I don't understand what's going on here, but God, I'm going to choose to believe that you are good and one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible to me is Job 13, 15 where Job said, though he slay me yet will I hope in him that's powerful totally unexplainable what was happening in his life they said, I choose to trust I choose to wait and see God come true in his word did that pay off for him? Yeah, it, it actually, it was one of those situations where it paid off in this life. God eventually restored Job. I think it's interesting, God didn't explain himself to Job. He didn't have to. But what he did is he restored his health. He restored his well. He gave him new children. He, he restored his reputation in the community. He spoke to him again. But Job was willing to wait. The beginning of verse 11 says, We are to count blessed those who have endured. Because guys, when we endure, you know what we are saying? You know what we're doing? We are being a people of faith when we endure. When we endure, we are saying, God, I don't understand. God, I believe you're real. God, I don't understand, but I believe you keep your promises. God, I don't understand, but I believe that you are good. You know, we're kicking off a new year right now, and I really believe this. There are some of you... You have been beaten up this past year you have struggled, you hurt and I want you to know the best thing you can do is to wait to be patient say God I choose to believe that what you say in this book is true let me tell you something as we wait on God, God will give you strength power, I'm not saying that he's going to make life all nice and easy I do believe that God will reveal himself to you as being real and true as you wait on him. James is very practical. And today, he teaches us the importance of patience. Patience is not fun. It is not easy. It's especially not fun when circumstances are against us. It's not fun when people annoy us. Man, it's not fun when things unexplainable happen to us. But here's what I believe and what I hang on to is that God is true, and that God keeps his word. And maybe some of us, we have to be like the guy in the New Testament. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If that's your prayer, just believe and trust.